How do I bless God? Very simply, you bless God with your whole life by knowing how He has blessed you. The way in which you bless God begins with knowing how He has blessed you. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part one of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing, an 11-part series from Pastor Paul Twiss, a study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. In this series, Pastor Paul will be leading us through chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. In verse 3 of this text, the Apostle Paul begins to show the Ephesian believers how truly blessed they are. Pastor Paul calls attention to what a remarkable request this is. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, knew these Ephesian believers well. He had personally led many of them to Christ and helped them start churches and had once lived among them. They had been saved from a culture of darkness, the occult. They had turned from this darkness to the gospel of Christ. Surprisingly, the Apostle says, quote, Blessed be God. Why? He wants them to know that because they are blessed by God in so many ways, they can turn to God and bless Him. The thought of God's creatures blessing Him may sound impossible, so what does Paul mean by saying it? Well, here's part one of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. It was some years ago when I was given the assignment in seminary of looking at one verse and coming up with 50 questions to ask of that one verse. It was very early on in my seminary days, and the verse given was actually a verse from Ephesians, though that was not the point of the exercise necessarily. The professor could have said any verse in the Bible. He sent us away and said, think about this one verse this week, and next week I want a list of 50 questions concerning that one verse from each of you. And of course, to begin with, I looked at the verse and I came up with maybe two or three questions. And I realized my grade was at stake, so I kept pondering and some more questions came. Sure enough, as the week went on, question upon question upon question came to my mind that you could ask of this text. And it wasn't long before I had a list longer than 50 questions. And I would say that was maybe one of the most formative exercises that I ever did as a student in seminary. It taught me the value of asking good questions of the text. And it's only when you are willing to ask good questions of the text that you start to probe its meaning and its significance, the theological depth and the profundity of the text in view. Our one verse this evening prompts a very significant question immediately, and that would be, how do I bless God? How do I bless God? That is the question that arises immediately upon reading Ephesians 1 verse 3, because Paul says, blessed be God. Let him be blessed. Now, the verb of being there 
is not in the original text. It simply says, blessed God. And so one thing to consider is what did Paul intend for us to understand by that? There are at least three options. Either he is giving a command, an imperative, and saying, you are to bless God. You're to praise him, to honor him, to worship him. It could be that Paul is softening that a little bit and issuing something of a a wish. May God be blessed. May God be blessed in our lives. May we praise him and so on. It could be that Paul is issuing a statement of fact. God is blessed. It's a statement of fact. God is blessed. People bless him with their words and with their thoughts, with their actions. God is blessed. All of those are valid. Most likely is that last option. Compared to other blessings or doxologies from the time that Paul was writing, it would seem that most likely what he intended for us to understand was that God is blessed as a fact. But if you ponder that reality very quickly issuing forth from the declaration of fact comes an exhortation, implied. If you ponder it for any length of time and you understand that a a principle that Paul is laying out is that God is blessed, you then start to reflect, well, is he blessed in my life? It becomes an implicit exhortation. However you read it, how am I to bless God? How do I ensure that in my life God is blessed? That is the foremost question that verse 3 of Ephesians 1 confronts us with. How do I bless God? The problem that we feel is perhaps created by virtue of the two people involved. On the one hand, we have God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is holy. He is sinless. He is perfect in all that he does. He is mighty. He is the creator of all things and the giver of all blessings. On the other side of the equation is me. On the other side of the equation is you. All too aware of our imperfections. All too aware of our frailties and our failings. Conscious to some degree of our sin. I remember reading C.S. Lewis speak about his sin continually overtaking him. He would strive with all of his might to put his pride to one side. He would think thoughts that were altogether directed to someone else. Namely, in this case, as he wrote, his students. He would ponder how he would be serving them as they would arrive in his office. And then he said, before a minute had passed, I caught myself congratulating myself for how good a professor I really was. He couldn't get away from his pride, and that is true of all of us. And so as we think about the question, how do I bless God? The difficulty arises as you consider who God is and who we are. The answer, wonderfully, is given to us by Paul in this verse. How do I bless God? Very simply, you bless God with your whole life by knowing how he has blessed you. The way in which you bless God begins with knowing 
how he has blessed you. You see, what Paul says is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He intentionally uses the same verb so as to to capture this reciprocal relationship. And the inference is, God has blessed us, and so we respond to that blessing by honoring him. You cannot bless God until you understand that he has first blessed you. We talked about this last week in verse 2 of the epistle. Grace to you and peace from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We appreciate before we appropriate the grace of God. We spoke about it as a roadmap for the whole letter. Before Paul gives us any commands, he tells us who we are. For three chapters, Paul labors simply our identity in the gospel. Because he understands that if that is not in place, any command that he might issue is meaningless in our lives. So it is the roadmap in Ephesians, and if I can extend out, this is the very fabric of the gospel found from Genesis through to Revelation. I want to labor this point this evening because it is so fundamental to the way you live your life. There are so many Christians who understand that they are saved by grace and grace alone. And every step they take thereafter along the path of sanctification pays zero heed to God's grace in their life and is 100% their striving apart from God's goodness. God intends for us to be saved by the gospel and continually sanctified by the gospel. We are to be saved by God's grace alone and we are to carry on in our dealings, in our strivings to obey his commands fueled by God's grace and not apart from it. So if you want to make any progress in the Christian life, you have to understand and call to mind over and over again, it is God that first blessed me. The only reason I am able to do anything and the only reason I desire to do anything is because God took the initiative to bless me. His blessing comes first and not mine. So how do I bless God? You know how he has blessed you. That is the starting point. Now with that being said, we might push back and say, well, okay, there's an awful lot of Christians who know in a very general sense that they are blessed. And there is seemingly no progress in their life in the reciprocal part of the relationship, them blessing God. I see this a lot wherever there would be something of a Christian subculture. There is one here in California. I know you maybe don't think it because you have perhaps grown up here and this state feels very liberal and very secular. Trust me, coming from Europe which is far more advanced in its secularism, we arrive in California and the Christian subculture that is here hit us in the face. It's a grace of God that it exists. It's not the same in many, many parts of Europe. To give thanks in a restaurant back in Europe attracts some strange looks in a way that it doesn't here, at least not yet. There exists something of a Christian subculture that brings problems. A lot of Christians blend into a model of life, a way of life that is acceptable. 
And their blessings from the Lord are very, very generic. They're not very articulated. There are other states that you can go into. I've been there. You go into a gas station. There is Christian music playing. And on the one hand, I think this is wonderful. On the other hand, I think it's very easy to exist here as a quote-unquote Christian. Faith is not being challenged in any real way, and so their, their faith, their understanding of the gospel starts to get very generic. Blessed to do such and such. Blessed to be here today. And I always want to push back and say, just, just tell me what you mean by that. How do you understand that to be a blessing? How does that factor in your understanding of the gospel? And so, to expand upon the answer to the question, how do I bless God? What we might say, a little bit more specifically, is to give the principle that I think Paul gives us here. You bless God in so much as you understand the way in which he has blessed you. Your ability to bless God, to live a life that honors him, to praise him as he should be praised, is a direct result of the degree to which you understand how he has blessed you. If you understand God's blessings in your life in a very generic manner, you are not all that well equipped to bless him in return. If you have taken time to understand what the scriptures say about God's blessing in your life, you are now equipped to bless him in a way that the scriptures compel us to. Over the next few weeks, we'll be tracing out Paul's blueprint for our blessings in Christ. Verse 3 through 14 is the longest sentence in Ephesians. It is one sentence. It is the second longest sentence in all of the New Testament. It is Paul not being able to contain himself as he tries to tell us how we have been blessed. And ours is the privilege to come on Sunday nights and simply to learn of our blessings. That's what the next few weeks entail. If there are folks here on a Sunday morning who are not coming in the evening that you know and have a friendship with, grab them by the arm and don't let them go. When you see them on a Sunday morning, you say, you're staying with me today. Why? Because I want you back in the evenings. Why? Because I want you to know how you have been blessed. In, in miniature format, Paul gives us that in verse 3. In miniature format. In the next few weeks and months, he'll unpack it for us. Tonight, we get just an expression of how it is we have been blessed and it equips us to bless God in return. So let's think through how we have been blessed in three parts because that's how Paul gives us the blessing. He gives us it in three parts according to the various prepositions in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There are, are three points this evening. How is it that we have been blessed? Number one, we have been blessed in Christ. I want you to understand the preacher's experience week after week after week. This is me pleading for sympathy right now. A bit like that seminary assignment, the week begins with me looking at the text and wondering, what am I going to say next Sunday? The week carries on and, and things start to emerge by God's grace. Of course they do, because the text is so rich, any text. 
And so you start to realize there's a sermon here to be preached. By Saturday night, you are on your knees pleading with the Lord because you are overwhelmed by the richness of the text and you don't know how you can possibly communicate this to God's people. And I say that, I share that with you because perhaps this week, no more was it more true than then with these two words, in Christ. This is the capstone of Paul's theology. Everyone who writes on Pauline theology would agree that the defining mark of Paul's thinking are these two words, in Christ, more than anything else. Some 180 times in his epistles, Paul writes, in Christ. It's as if this man can't go more than a few verses without saying, in Christ. It defines him, and he wants it to define us. It is Paul's summation of the Christian life. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that in verse 3 he says, How have you been blessed? In Christ. So what does that mean? It is difficult to explain fully the notion of being in Christ. But simply put, it is the fact that in the, in the reality of the gospel in our lives, we have all been enveloped by the Lord Jesus. We've been wrapped up in Jesus Christ such that now there is not one part of our lives or our being that is apart from Christ. Everything that is true about us is true about us in Christ. There is nothing in our lives that is out with the domain of Christ. It's all in there. It's all been brought in there and wrapped up in our Savior. Now, that might sound very obvious to you. But just think about how we often behave. So often we come to church on a Sunday morning presenting our very best. We present our very best because we know God's people will be there and this is the day that we behave. We dress nicely. We say all the right things on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, we say praise God. We do all the right things on a Sunday because the fear of man is real in us. We want to be accepted by these people, and so we behave a certain way on a Sunday, and yet should you be found on a Monday morning or a Wednesday evening or a Thursday lunchtime, an altogether different version of you is present. We behave differently depending on our circumstances. Paul says that is not true of you. God sees you 100% of the time enveloped by your Savior. And of course, it's not only the fear of man that, that causes us to behave in that way. It would also be the fact that we tend to divide the sacred from the secular. We often think of Sundays as a distinct day in the week, but for the wrong reasons. It is a special day. It is the Lord's Day. We get to set aside all other things and worship God with God's people. But shouldn't we be worshipping all the week long? As a Christian, our lives should be guided by the drumbeat of worship towards our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do should be informed by worship, and yet so often that is not the case. What Paul says is regardless of how you behave and how you think, God pronounces you 100%, 24-7 in your Savior. That is how you're found. 
And the reason that these blessings are true of you is for that very reason. If there were a part of the week where you weren't in Christ theologically, the blessings wouldn't be there. But the reason that they're always there is because you are always to be found in Christ. It is impossible for you to step out of the domain that is called Christ. And for that reason, all of these blessings belong to you all of the time. Whether you are mindful of them or not. On a Sunday, these blessings are yours. On a Monday morning when the alarm clock sounds far too early, these blessings are yours. When you drive to work, these blessings are yours. When you engage with the world, these blessings are yours. When you sin, these blessings are yours. They don't disappear when you sin. They're yours. Because 100% of the time you are in Christ. Now, how then does that inform our blessing of God? That's how he's blessed us. One of the ways that Paul gives us. He's blessed us in Christ. How does that inform our blessing of God? I would say it compels us to live out a 24-7 Christianity. That we be true to who we are. One way in which you can bless God with your whole life is strive to be who you are. Namely, someone who is in Christ all of the time. That you would put that on display for others to see that it would be true of you whenever you are found. Some years ago, a pastor gave me a list of questions that he called x-ray questions. He said, I want you to take these and walk through them every so often. And some of the questions on there were for Laura to answer and some were for my children to answer. I still have them and occasionally I'll pull one out and I'll just ask either Laura or the kids. And there were questions on there like, what is the most important thing to dad? I remember asking my kids that. I asked one of my children when they were maybe three or four, I was in seminary and I said, what do you think the most important thing to dad is? And I remember they said pretty quickly, coffee. I said, it's pretty important. <laughs> it's not the most important thing. Another question on that list that causes me to tremble. Is daddy the same person on a Sunday as he is the rest of the week? I've asked my kids, do you see me on a Sunday behave differently to how you see me behave for the rest of the week? One way you bless God is by living a Christian life all of the time. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. In part one today, Pastor Paul asks and then answers this question, how do I bless God? Very simply, you bless God with your whole life by knowing how he has blessed you. It seems amazing that the God of the universe can be blessed by his own children, sinful mortals upon whom his grace was poured out. But by showing gratitude and living for Christ, we bless him back. Later in his letter, the apostle said God's grace had made the spiritually dead alive and even created good works for them to do. 
If you want to hear more great teaching, visit our website, TimelessTruthToday.org. TimelessTruthToday.org. Select Broadcast, and there you'll find an archive of gospel teaching from Pastor Paul. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twist, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. While you're on TimelessTruthToday.org, will you consider making a gift toward this outreach ministry? You'll be part of spreading the good news of Jesus through these programs. Select Donate on the homepage to make your gift of any size. Hope you'll join us tomorrow for part two in our new series, Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.